defenses. Initiate bank protocol. Initiate bank protocol. Initiate bank protocol. Initiate bank protocol. Hey, yo, welcome to another episode of Bird Protocol. I'm your host, Palm Reader. I'm here with my uh, trusty co-host, Otis Morris. And today we're going to be stage diving headfirst into the sonic mayhem and absolute heaviness of Kentucky-based metalcore outfit and powerhouse known as Knocked Loose. But before that, we wanted to catch you up on uh, on things going on in our lives and why we missed a couple couple episodes, and this one's a little bit late. So, uh, you know, Otis, how you doing? You were you you had a an eventful weekend a couple weekends back. Why don't you tell the people where oh. you were at? Oh boy, um, what can I say? What can I say that I've already haven't documented about the uh, city of Niagara Falls, the uh, the shit stain of Canada and Ontario, and our answer to not Las Vegas, not. Atlantic City, but our answer to Reno, Nevada, <laughs> fucking Niagara Falls, dude. Oh man, That's this funny. city sucks so bad. Uh, yeah, no, I was in Niagara Falls for Niagara Comic Con, which is uh, which was fun. Uh, as you know, I've talked about before, working at the conventions, very fun. Um, very tiring though. Uh, very exhausting weekend, but uh, yeah, dude, Niagara is just. A fucking weirdo zone, dude. It is the twilight zone of Canada. Like, firstly, it's just, it's all just tourists and like, you know, just people that don't know what they're doing. And then if you go like, I don't know, two feet off of the strip, you're all of a sudden in a heroin den. So like, it doesn't, it's crazy. You don't want to like stray too far away from anywhere. Because if you stray too far away from the main strip, you end up inside a UFO. And that's not a place you necessarily want to be when you're trying to enjoy a meal. You don't want to be inside of a UFO. But uh, <laughs> I was. I was in the spaceship restaurant. And, or and I, was, I, I was living vicariously through him. I want you all to know this. I made him send me pictures uh, yeah. uh, because that this place seems like something out of the, like a, a nether realm. It's insane. It, it, it was, it was, I don't know how to describe it. It was like a restaurant out of like a fallout game. Equally like retro futurist, equally just a decrepit apocalypse. It's a, it's firstly, you know, the only, you know, a place is just great white trash when the only beer they have on tap is Coors. Like that just goes hard. It's just like, what beer do you have? All we have is Coors Light. And it's like, okay, I know exactly what type of place we are in. Uh, the menu had pub food, Italian, Mexican, uh, just random assortments of uh, subs and meats. It made no sense. There was alien decor everywhere. There was alien posters. There was one poster of, uh, it was a picture of aliens and a dinner table eating a human. And then it said, this is what happens to people that don't pay their bill. And I was like, God damn it. I think I'm just going to leave because I don't want to deal with this shit. <laughs> if you wanted to go to the basement, you have to go downstairs. That's right. The UFO has a downstairs. Bet you didn't know that. And downstairs looks like a medical torture dungeon. It is not cool. The lighting is very sparse, and the washroom is disgusting. 
Well, they do say the inside of spaceships have non-Euclidean geometry, so maybe that makes sense that there's a basement in it. But uh, no, this place was wild. Uh, He sent me a photo of his uh, dinner, which was um, supposed to be a buffalo wrap, what they call saucer fries. Is that what the, yes. Yeah. So, oh, that's what the restaurant is called. The Flying Saucer Restaurant. I and, and then coleslaw, remember. but they didn't have coleslaw. So they doubled his order of saucer fries, which is fries with cheese and meat. Meat like, sauce. Meat sauce. It is what you would put on. It's a, It was essentially uh, spaghetti with fries is what it was. Instead of <laughs> double the nice, order. It looked insane. Yeah. It looked legit. Honestly, when he sent the picture, I was like, why is there so much fries and sauce? Like, yeah. it did make sense. And then you said, oh, they didn't have the coal. The coleslaw person wasn't in. I guess they have yeah. one person oh for coleslaw. <laughs> Dude, so here's the thing. They're like, oh, so I was like, oh, I'll get the wrap with the uh, uh fries but instead of regular fries i want to try the saucer fries and like okay that's fine but we're going to give you like a bigger order of the saucer fries because typically that meal comes with coleslaw but our coleslaw guy's out and i was like what is a coleslaw guy like what does that dude do coleslaw like just coleslaw just coleslaw coleslaw? that's all he does in a whole day he just does one coleslaw like i could I'm pretty sure coleslaw is just like it's not mayo and salad. It's like it's of. just a salad mayo. It's got some stuff it's, in it, but it's yeah, it's not. It's not like this is not rocket scientist. R- yeah. Rocket scientist? What? This is not rocket science. Um, it, yeah, it, it certainly <laughs> wasn't. It was. I I just found it. It's like okay, so you you know. So all the other guys are here. Like the meat guys are here. The what else? And then I, I, I'm still baffled by just the coleslaw guy, just our coleslaw guy. And it's like, okay, so, you know, if the coleslaw guy's here, like what kind of pill heads made it into work? Like what's going on here? Everyone, every person in every booth. And I guess I should say myself included, perhaps maybe, but every person there looked like some monster out of a fucking David Lynch movie. Like everyone had some sort of like, near deformity mine was everyone probably thought i was special needs because i was wearing a ufo t-shirt inside of the ufo restaurant i didn't plan for that (laughs) but i realized as soon as i stepped in i looked like a fucking moron (laughs) and everyone's like oh this is the kid he's looking for a special moment yeah i looked like a -A make-a-wish kid not gonna Uh, lie i did and i felt like one (laughs) (laughs) and what about the convention itself was that all all uh all good good times had by all was it a, a nice nice time at the convention i i don't know anything about that uh, yeah yeah the convention itself was fine made some bank uh there was some i mean i saw the trailer park boys all weekend i was every time i would step out of my booth they were like because their booth was like right at the end of like the alleyway hallway no that did you talk I was to them so, no nah, no nah, they were busy the whole weekend I, yeah, I at guess. one point I saw uh, Juan Carlo Esposito was there. And at one point I saw him like sitting at his booth by himself. And I was like, fuck, I need to go say hi. Cause I was going to bring, I have a season of Breaking Bad where it has all the Ralph Stedman art. And there's a, I think it's like season four where Gus Fring is on the cover. And I was like, oh, I should bring this and get him to sign it. But I forgot. But I think he's working at another one of the conventions I'm working at this summer. So there is more time. 
Dang, but if you meet him, can you ask him to say something like welcome to bird protocol or something like that? That'd be sick, dude. Oh, I would that'd be tight. Um, that would be sick. What uh what happened? Really? Oh, Shane, the guy that I work with at the cons, he uh uh fucking he met uh Douglas Bradley, the guy that like the original pinhead from Hellraiser. And so he got the actual cube thing from Hellraiser signed. Like he has a like a toy of that. And he got that signed by him, and he got like the the vinyl copy of the Hellraiser score signed by him. That was pretty tight. Uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, no, I didn't. I we were so busy, I didn't really have time to like actually really walk around and like kind of. Oh well, that's good. Money is dude. good. Shout out the beat goes on, but you know, yeah, like- yeah. Yeah, made fucking bank, sold shit ton of toys, shit ton of Funko Pops. I mean, we sold crazy amount of records. I think we were the only vendors there selling vinyl. So, yeah, man, it was, I was talking, some guy I was talking to, he was basically saying how these conventions have now basically just become like Funko Pop conventions. And it really is. Like, if you go to the vendor side and stuff, like, there's, so many Funko Pops all over the place to the point where like it's kind of annoying and it's just yeah. I don't know. I wish like more there was more movie stuff there. There wasn't I wish there was there, but there, there wasn't so much. I found one movie vendor where I was able to get a couple horror movies that was actually looking the score. And I got a sick copy of fucking true romance on 4K. I got a it's oh, nice. actually sick. Yeah, it's like it comes in like a huge box set. Yeah, it has like a whole book in, with it and like the actual case inside of the box says like a steel book it's pretty tight i was happy to get that because like i still have a old shitty dvd copy of that movie so you know need to put some respect on that one yeah that's a know. good that's a, a hell of a find well my yeah. my uh my last weekend wasn't as uh exciting as otis's uh <laughs> i didn't really do anything um and we decided to skip that week because he was uh, out of town. And then this weekend we are late to put out our episode because, uh, two of my lovely friends had their wedding celebration. Um, they had a private ceremony, but decided to shut the block down. And, uh, literally they had the city come and close their street and, uh, invited everybody in the neighborhood and tons of their friends to get together. And, uh, they had music playing and, uh, uh, food trucks and uh, a bouncy castle for the kids, a bunch of stuff. Uh, they had a beautiful first dance uh, on the driveway because they never actually had the ceremony. Uh, so they did a first dance in front of everybody, very emotional. It was just a great time. But I am not used to being outside and starting to drink at like, you know, five o'clock. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and standing and walking around and doing all this stuff and, and going late into the evening. So yesterday I was a little bit worse for wear and, uh, and we just decided to push it for a day. Now, can you blame me for having a good time? I may have fallen down once, but I still, (laughs) you know, I'm, I'm good. And, uh, and yesterday I was surprisingly good, but when Otis said, Hey, do you want to push it a day? Um, uh, because you know, we've both been, quite busy with work and, and we just weren't feeling it. I was like, absolutely. I could use a proper sleep. So, uh, we're, we're back. We're rejuvenated. We're refreshed. Congratulations to my friends for, uh, a wonderful event on the weekend. Uh, I'm glad that the beat goes on did well at the convention. Now let's get to some goddamn aggression. 
Now, this one was in uh, a suggestion from Otis, and God damn, revisiting their discography really made me realize how hard this band rips. Um, Knock Loose was formed in a small town uh, of Oldham County, Kentucky, and they exploded onto the scene in 2013 with their relentless energy and uncompromising aggression, drawing influences from hardcore punk to metal and even element, elements of new metal and beatdown, they forged a sound that defined the boundaries uh, and left a lasting impact on the heavy music scene. Led by vocal, excuse me, led by vocalist Brian Garris, the band unleashed their fury with bone-crushing breakdowns, blistering riffs, gut-wrenching lyrics that delved into the personal struggles and the raw human emotion, raw human emotions and the human experience i'm having a hard time reading this my bad guys uh with their debut album laugh tracks uh released in 2016 knock loose showcased their signature blend of unrelenting heaviness and captivating melody instantly appealing to fans and critics alike uh since they drew influence from across the board they have become critically beloved and are considered a pillar uh, of the mid to late 2010s metalcore revival wave, alongside bands like Counterparts, Code Orange, Kublai Khan, and many more. Their sophomore album, A Different Shade of Blue, dropped in 2019 and uh, further solidified their status as the torchbearers of the genre, unafraid to push boundaries and explore new territories, while also leaning heavily on some of the more you know, aggressive, heavy sounds that they started with. Uh, really, really good evolution from this band over uh, over their whole career. Following this, they released their crushing EP, A Tear in the Fabric of Life, which brought some of the heaviest, nastiest sounds I've ever heard as of late and showcased a more focused artistry and storytelling, basing the EP's uh, kind of story around someone losing uh, a loved one in a car accident and the kind of experience of grief and misery that comes after a huge loss. So in today's episode, we'll take a deep dive into Knock Loose discography. We'll explore their evolution as a band. We'll talk about some of their lyrical themes. We'll share our own history with the band. And we'll talk about the impact they've had on the landscape of heavy music. So get ready to strap in and be crushed by the weight of the terror. Sorry, that's a joke about the band. Um, great song, great song. Anyway, as we explore the chaotic brilliance of Knocked Loose, Otis, when did you find out about Knocked Loose? Let's talk about it. Uh, I think I probably found out about Knocked Loose when most people within the hardcore community found out about them. Uh, it was probably, what, 20, 2016-era-ish? Um, because, yeah, they showed up and they were the uh they were the dog bark band they were the orf, orf band and <laughs> you know and the band honestly was kind i i know for a fact that me and you both when heard that i don't think neither of us really took them seriously uh you I, know I mean, even yeah. i mean i liked i liked the first album and i liked the um the the kind of the split in the EP they put out originally, I mm. thought there was a lot of potential in the band, uh, but the whole arf arf mosh call, uh, just it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I'm <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry to any Knock Loose fans. I'm sorry to the arf arf boys who go crazy over it. I also never saw them, uh, and I still haven't, which I would mm. love to. Um, but f- for me, I was kind of like, what? You know, like, huh? Right. 
Uh, and I wasn't, I didn't really buy in until their, their second, their sophomore album. Anyway, continue. Cause I know you did see them live. So why don't you talk about that? Yeah. So then I did end up seeing them and I don't know. I don't, I don't know why for some reason I thought it was them counterparts and every time I die, but it wasn't, I think it was them every time I die. In Hollow Earth? That, that's think, right. Yeah, there was a tour that they did. Yes, yes. Okay, so that's when I saw them in London. And, okay, so that makes sense. But then I must have saw Knock or Counterparts, like, and every time I... Okay, yeah. I'm combining two concerts, because uh, one Knocked Loose open for Every Time I Die, and then a different show, uh, Counterparts open for Every Time I Die, both at the London Music Hall, which was a sick venue. I th- hope it's still there. Uh, always a tight venue, every show I've been there. But yeah, it would be that show when I saw them, that was 2017. And, you know, seeing that band, seeing Noctilus live, I was like, okay, that, yep, that solidifies them as like a sick band. And I think that's where, you know, the band's, uh, that's their bread and butter is their live show. And when you then, you know, then things like the arf, arf, makes sense when you see fucking 500 kids stab each other in the face during that part. <laughs> like when you see that happen, you're like, okay, okay. I, I get it. I see what you're doing. I understand this. Hell yeah. Because even Noctilus's first EP pop culture, it was very much just sort of beat down. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't groundbreaking by any means. But there I was mean, potential. Even, there was, that's the thing that yeah. I saw was like, like, I listened to a few songs off of laugh tracks and I was like, okay, like there's a lot of potential here. This is really well produced and yeah. like, they're older, they're split and, and pop culture. It's, it is way more beat down influenced and, and, mm-hmm. um, but I saw a lot of potential there, but it was just, I don't know. I have this thing sometimes when I see everybody talking about something, yeah. I, I just, for some reason, I'm you get like, apprehensive. I get apprehensive. Because I'm yeah. like, ooh, I don't know. I've been burned so many times when people are like, this is the greatest thing ever. And then I go mm-hmm. listen to it and and I'm like, this is not really my thing. And then everybody gets like mad at me or like, you know, yeah. like or or people f- get d- hurt that I don't, you know. And it just, there was a lot of people, oh, you should, should knock loose now. And I listened and I was like, yeah, this is really good. Now I will unequivocally state here, right here, right now, that uh, uh, I've gone back and listened to Laugh Tracks and and uh, pop culture and everything over the past week leading up to this. And um, although it's not my favorite of their releases, uh, everything kind of post Laugh Tracks is more my type of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Laugh Tracks is a very solid first debut record. And, and, and there's a lot of cool stuff on there. And a lot Absolutely. of cool stuff that get, get winds up getting kind of... Um, uh, evolves into what we see in um in in the later releases so mm-hmm. like you know it's very dope it is it is very very dope and it's fun it's fun it's heavy it's you know it's got these moments of kind of <laughs> comical absurdity like the arf arf but then it's got other parts where it's like this is crushing so you know i get it i, I get it i get it i i i, I was a uh I was not paying attention to it then. I'm very much paying attention to it now. So for all the people listening, being like, 
How dare you talk bad about laugh tracks? My bad. It's pretty good. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, laugh tracks goes hard. Um, I still don't know when or I actually, they, I may have seen them opening for counterparts. I think, I can't remember. But anyway, I, I think it was counterparts that they opened for. But yeah, no, live show, seeing like them, like songs like Dead Ringer live, you know, obviously Counting Worms live is sick. Uh, Billy No Mates, like all the songs were so tight live. And it's like, I, I understand that. Like, and Laugh Tracks, yeah, it's a great album. Definitely has, you know, all the elements that, you know, make up Knocked Loose, you know, the heavy as fuck breakdowns, tempo changes, mosh calls, uh, you know, sick riffs in between. But I think, you know, and I and you'll agree is that with a different shade of blue, that's where they I solidified their sound and also realized that the how important their production is. And you even see that even more on the EP. But like I think that, you know, the albeit you know it's a small change but like they did all the necessary changes between laugh tracks and a different shade of blue that's where they came i think into you know the shape that where they are now because on a different shade of blue there's a lot more riffs you know like even though it has a lot of you know they have a lot of chugging they love the chug they love fucking breakdowns but like they started switching it up. They had different variations and, you know, they just got more creative really. Yeah. And I, I think, I think a big part of that is probably touring them touring with mm-hmm. so many kind of like <laughs> solidified bands, like touring with yeah. every time I die touring, like seeing the kind of creativity that goes into not only their, the performances, but in the songwriting, um, you definitely notice on a, a different shade of blue, the kind of the use of the backing vocals, um, mm-hmm. the use of kind of melody of space between the moments of brutality, um, a lot smarter kind of transitions between sections of songs mm-hmm. and, and kind of tempos or or just in general, it's, as you said, far more creative. I also think it's a far more focused creative mm-hmm. album. Like there's, it seems like all of these songs are cohesive and there's a point to them and they're all kind of, it's it's all about misery really. Um, uh, But you have really cool songs that start off with kind of spacier, uh, uh, um, more melodic riffing, like guided by the moon. Is it guided by the moon where it starts with the, uh, it's either guided by the moon or by the grave, one of the two. Um, but you also have songs that are like really, really, really heavy and still melodic, like mistakes like fractures, but yeah. it opens with Belleville, which is just like a pulverizing beatdown record. Yeah. Like it's, it's such a smart album, like from start mm-hmm. to finish, just the choices that they made and the creativity that they showed. This is where I listened to it and was like, Oh damn. Oh, for real, for real. Like I was yeah. like, Whoa, hold up. Um, and, uh, and, and so, you know, that's where I really latched onto them and I really, really like them. But for me, the thing that makes me most excited about this band is a tear in the fabric of life Yeah, because that EP, when it came out, 
I remember you messaged me and you were like, this is like the heaviest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. And this is terrifying. And I was like, oh, I'm intrigued. And I listened to it and holy hell. Yeah. A tear in the fabric of life is like visceral. I, I don't know yeah. how else to explain it. Um, It's six songs long and each one of them is just like, Every second counts. Yeah, and the perfect amount of of kind of melody versus like chaotic, like brutal aggression. Um, there's some really beautiful guitar parts, but then there are some parts like like God knows, which I the joke that I made at the start of this episode where there's a part where they say you know he's crushed by the weight of the and the the backup vocalist was a much lower lower register, terror, and it goes into this breakdown that is disgusting. And yeah. it's so like it's, I I love like a kind of mosh call trend. It's not even a mosh call. It's like a vocal transition. And yeah. when I first listened to that song, I had I had no idea that it was coming. And you and all of a sudden it's a terror, dun, 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 dun. and I was like ah ah. I was in the gym. I started lifting three times heavier. I was going yeah. crazy. Um, and that's that's all of the songs on this EP, each one of them, like you said, every second counts yeah. and it rips. This is yeah. where I was like, I can't wait to see what this band does next. Like, this is the thing that like, you know, a uh, different shade of blue was, was like, all right, hell yeah. Oh shit. For real. This was like, God damn, whatever they're going to do next. If it's better than this, they might as well just, you know, yeah, that's, that's, that's done, you know, go, it's exactly. Um, and that released in, in 2021. So that was like, not even that long ago. Uh, yeah, if, like a year two, and a half, almost two years almost now. Almost two years. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, that EP to me, like it just opened the doors of like, Oh my God, I can't wait to see where this band goes next and what they're doing. I mean, a different shade of blue definitely started that, but they kicked it mm -hmm. up a notch. They put the hot sauce on it for yeah. for, for for that EP. Um, do you yeah, have a, a what are your yeah. thoughts about that? I've sorry, I've been blathering on, but um. oh no, um, like I mean, because on a different shade shade of blue, I think the one thing that you know started that set that album apart from Laugh Track specifically is the production value of or and you know it, it was produced by Will Putney who is. You know, he's producing all the best records in hardcore right now. You know, he produced all like the last few Every Time I Die records. He produced, uh, I think, most of uh, Counterpart stuff. He's produced the new Acacia Strain. Like, you know, he, you know, he's the guitar player for Fit for an Autopsy. He produces all their stuff. Like, dude, fucking rips all together. But like. On a different shade of blue, you know, I, I don't know whether it was his decision or the band's decision or where, who made the decision, but there's like small guitar tone stuff and like, you know, stuff like where they are using like, I, I don't know if whether it's like a flanger, flanger or a chorus effect on the guitar for like certain parts. So the way it will like go like, dun, 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 ding, 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 and like, we'll have like a cool little like lick or like a riff, but it'll have that effect on it. But then it'll go right back into like the heavy distortion and just like, and it seamless, it's, it's seamless. Like the production is so tight and it just works so, so well. But then on a tear in the fabric of life, it's all over the place. Just these like 
cool guitar tones, vocal layering, drum layer, like, you know, bass distortion. It's just on all levels. It is like a fucking producer's masterclass in like heavy music, a different, a tear in the fabric of life. It yeah. truly is like, and like, I, I will argue with like Will Putney's the best producer in hardcore metalcore. Maybe him and Kurt Ballou have got to be tied for the best producers out there. Cause everything the two of them do is just so perfect. They just know how to get a band on record, just sounding as big and fucking mean as they should, because, you know, knocked loose. Like I think specifically laugh tracks and, you know, the EP, it didn't really in, encapsulate how like how heavy they are live. Yeah, well, I think I think that also because Will Putney did do laugh tracks as well, but it, yeah. I think that the the that it, what is what's being shown over this period of time from 2016 mm-hmm. or well probably 2015 or 2015 into 2016 when they recorded yeah, it. There's like three or four years between. Probably yeah, the and time you they see Will it, yeah. Will kind of becoming uh uh you know leveling himself up too so it's like it's really cool that you see um and i think it also represents kind of like the the uh expectation and kind of climate of the of the scenes at that Mm -hmm. time like laugh tracks came out and it was really like positively reviewed um People really, really uh, uh, liked it. Like Metal Injection gave it nine out of ten. Um, Metal Hammer gave it three. Exclaim gave it three. Uh, Distorted Sound three point five. All Music gave it a very positive review. That's all it says positive. Thanks so much. Um, Rock Sound gave it a four out of five. Overall, like it was, it was really, really well produced in that kind of sound of the mm-hmm. of 2015 but that around that time is when you started seeing the kind of kick towards heavier more distorted more um mm-hmm. more kind of in your face and less like very properly shined uh yeah. uh metalcore um and like i said this the rive of the, the the revival of metalcore in the latter half of that because metalcore yeah. was very very popular in in the late aughts uh, and it yeah. kind of died down and you had a lot of pop punk come up and like yeah. uh, um, kind of the shoegazy revival stuff and and the kind of grungish revival stuff. A lot of stuff mm-hmm. like that in the early 2010s was really at the forefront of the kind of punk hardcore metalcore scene. Um, and then it kind of shifted when you had bands like Code Orange and Kublai Khan and Counterparts and... Um, just a, a lot of bands, even to some degree, you yeah. could say bands like uh, um, uh, Every Time I Die, because Low yeah. Teens was a very, very like uh, well-produced, but pur- purposely kind of unpolished and heavy. Yeah. Um, and and the choices made for that were, I think that was also Will Putney, was it not? Am I, am I crazy in thinking that? What, Low Teens? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was so Will there Putney, you go. yeah. Um, uh, and so this kind of sound, this came about of this more kind of abrasive, aggressive, but to get that and make it sound polished is incredibly hard. So when mm-hmm. you get to an album like a tear or an EP, like a tear in the fabric of life, where, like you said, there's so much going on and it's mm-hmm. so 
crazy aggressive and then also at the same time ambient and and melodic in parts and it all working together and still sounding sharp and yeah concussive it's insane so it's like you we watched all of these this kind of perfect storm within the scene and will putney and knock loose all come together to form this kind of like uh pillar of become more the help knock loose become this pillar of this new revival of metalcore that happened um mm -hmm. and you know like like i said laugh tracks it's good it is really good for if you if you think about it it's like 2015 band's first real release we should say that knock loose is signed to pure noise records who mm -hmm. um you know quietly became one of the uh eminent pop punk punk hardcore metalcore records or record yeah labels. i um, mean pop punk's really their bread and butter but yeah they've got some other like hardcore bands like i, th I think counterparts is on there uh you know then like post hardcore stuff like census fail well i think census fail has gone back to like pop punk now that band's always weirded me out but yeah no it's, pure noise is a very solid label it has like lots of really good bands on i there. think we i think we did talk about them or maybe it, that was epitaph we were talking about but anyway um, um the i mean we would have talked about pure noise probably on the uh story so far episode and we would have talked epitaph probably on the every time i die episode but like epitaphs like weird where like they have sick bands like every time i die converge um uh drain but then they also have like fucking falling in reverse and escape the fate and it's like get the fuck out of here with that shit like no one wants to hear this garbage but then they have like architects and it's like fuck why do you have sick bands and like <laughs> but then like the dumbest shit ever it makes no sense um and i should say that their first the, the this first lp laugh tracks uh debuted on on the billboard 200 uh and in the top 50 on six separate side charts um the, it was a, a huge record at the time and it very much fit in with what the sound of metalcore was and, and even pushed it a little bit like there's first mm -hmm. like they were it is a, a solid release but it's and i'm so happy to say they've just continually gotten better because with a different shade of blue uh which came in 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 2019 as we mentioned um it got uh, eight out of ten for Dead Press, nine out of ten exclaim. Kerrang gave it uh, a four out of five. Enemy four out of five. Um, it was uh, ranked number eighteen on the fifty best albums of twenty nineteen. Um, it was thirty one on the sixty six best metal albums of the decade from twenty ten to twenty nineteen. Ranked thirty first. Um, it was. Uh, in number four on revolvers 25 best albums of 2019 and uh and number seven on what culture's 15 best metal albums of 2019 um it's uh, uh it's definitely a change from this from the original kind of sound that came on laugh tracks um mm -hmm. chris Pugh, i assume of distorted magazine described it as uh the band at the apex of modern hardcore. And uh, in an article for Kerrang, Dan Slesser says that in comparison to the band's previous album, this one is more hardcore, more metal. There are more fast parts, more breakdowns, more malice, more unease, and perhaps most importantly, more energy. Um, uh, 
for in an article for New Noise magazine, Caleb R. Newton said, there's not a single moment on Different Shade of Blue that's not packed to the brim with musical and thematic brutality. Um, and, uh, 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 you know, this was the kind of start of their real, to me, now they might, someone from the band can let me know if I'm wrong, but I feel like this is where they took all of their experience touring, all of their experience songwriting, all of their experience in life in general, and really focused in on the art a bit more. And it mm-hmm. really shows like the comparison, a different shade of blue for me to laugh tracks is like laugh tracks. I'm like, okay, this is really good. Mid 2010s, uh, uh, metal core. And yeah. then a different shade of blue is like, no, these guys are in the forefront. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, they've stepped out now. They're, they're really doing something. And and it's surprising i mean there's it's heavy as shit there's a lot of really cool melod melodic parts and guitar riffs and everything and then there's some parts that are even oddly catchy yet brutal as hell it's like wow what 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 and it rips like i think that this this album is you know is fantastic and i listened to it like five times this week and i was like this this shit just goes uh also keith buckley features on a song which is really cool because it was before you know um yeah and 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 i think that just sort of solidifies the fact that like on a different shade of blue like i i was listening to that album today i was like yeah there's definitely like every time i die influence on this like there's every time i die riffs and like that album just has more riffs on it than their pre like than laugh tracks did and then you know a tear in a fabric of life has even more sicker riffs. Like it's just, uh, I think that this band truly embodies the, um, you know, the same riff, but slower and fucking, and just heavier and sicker and meaner. That's really like the band's ethos. And, but they've found they've in each album, they keep finding new ways to do what they do so well. And, you know, I don't know, and, and you know, you see, you saw like they're. I always thought that they're like a cool sort of middle ground between something like every time I die and like the Acacia Strain. Like every time I die is very metalcore. Acacia Strain's like that's deathcore, and then you know, Knocked Loose sort of sits somewhere just in the middle where they're just kind of pulling from everything into this, you know, yeah, it's uh, into it, this cosmic gumbo. It's very, greatness. it's very, uh, <laughs> it's very like the, the kind of stylistic choices are very nebulous, but very like mm-hmm. thoughtful. And yes. I, I like that, that statement of it's like, it's kind of like every time I die, but it's also kind of in the middle of, of things of a bands like the Acacia strain, but then also there's some kind of like, you know, code orange and yeah converge Mm -hmm. you know in there there's it's all it's all mixed together into this gumbo as you said and and i was just quoting i think you should leave oh and then and then uh well fantastic fantastic (laughs) Uh, 55. No, I'm not going to do the whole thing. I was going to do 55 burgers, 55 fries, um, 55 hot dogs, 55 shakes. <laughs> yeah. He goes through the whole, <laughs> let me go through. I need to do something. Oh my God. I love that show. <laughs> Holy fuck, dude. Okay. This yeah. guy started to pay it forward. line. <laughs> I love it. Are you, I'm not going to pay it. Where is this guy? What's he doing up there? What's he um, doing? <laughs> But they yes, uh, and also we should mention that this this that this album did chart 
on the Billboard 200, the U.S. Billboard 200, it was 26. Fairly impressive. Uh, uh, More than fairly impressive. I don't want to sell it short. Really, really dope. Like, that's crazy. Um, It also peaked at three on the U.K. rock and metal albums, five of the U.K. independent albums, 27 in the U.K. physical albums, which means right. that they sold a lot of physical albums in the UK. Yeah. UK digital albums, they were 66. UK album sales, 26. And Scottish albums, 41. I'm sure there's more. It just don't have, it doesn't say anything. You know what? You know what people need to do? I just, this is an open shout out to anyone out there who really likes yeah. Wikipedia. Can y'all, if you like Wikipedia and hardcore, can you guys make a team of people that like puts a lot more information out on Wikipedia for a lot of these hardcore bands? Because um, the really, really big ones, you can find a decent amount, but some, some of the big ones, there's like nothing. And, uh, and, and, you know, yeah. it's a great place to find stats. That's really easy. Instead of me having to go into the depths of the internet to find what an album charted at in Canada, you know? It, yeah. Or, you know, asking the fine people of R slash hardcore. <laughs> Uh, I, I've been so I've been very invested into uh, the Reddit hardcore thread or you know subreddit. It's uh, pretty sick. But they've also that through the subreddit, I've also learned of countless sick bands um, and of like a lot of bands that like because now you're also seeing the sort of like fallout effect of bands that are now like sort of influenced by knocked loose and code orange. Like you're sort of seeing like, like Jesus piece or like Mugshot, which are like two bands that I'm listening to a lot of, uh, you know, they, you know, they're, they're bands that are going to pop the fuck off within like the next two years. You've heard it here first, boys, girls, whoever you are I'm telling you Jesus piece and Mugshot, those bands, you're going to be in their mosh pit by the end of 2023. Trust me. And like, you know, you're seeing the fallout of, you know, just heavy music um, being popular or like a band like Drain, who in like it's seemingly like months, this band has just gotten so fucking big for just, you know, live shows. People give a fuck about the live show again. And I think that's obviously a byproduct of, you know, COVID and people not getting to go to shows for two years that now hardcore live shows, you know, it really means a lot for a hardcore band to have a good live show. Like even look like a band like Angel Dust, which like, you know, is kind of within this hardcore scene because like, you know, they're members of like Turnstile and Trapped Under Ice and stuff. So they're kind of adjacent, but like at the core, they're more like almost pop punk alternative, but their live show is that of like a hardcore show. And I think that is attracting a lot of people. Like you're seeing bands like like knocked loose playing fucking coachella and playing a stage with no barrier and there's stage dives at fucking coachella like that may not sound that may not sound big to some people but that's fucking huge to people that grew up at hardcore being like yeah you know we're just gonna be yeah i'll just do shows at the gig for the rest of my life to 500 kids and it'll be a fucking blast but no you can Knocked Loose can fucking have stage dives at Coachella. Like, that's major, dude. That's so big. And, yeah, you're just seeing bands, like, you know, not to be a dead horse, but I think specifically the three that you can point to are Knocked Loose, Code Orange, and Turnstile. They have brought aggressive, hardcore, melodic hardcore, you know, 
whatever the fuck Code Orange is doing with their weird new metal uh, uh, industrial shit. Um, even though they're like kind of cringe lords, they still make the fucking heaviest shit possible. But like those three bands have like really opened the mainstream's eye to hardcore. And it's fucking sick to see it. And I'm glad because those three bands are fucking absolutely sick. So it's cool that they have, you know, ushered in this sort of new era for heavy music to be sick again. Um, yeah. No, it's it's it, this like part of the reason why we wanted to talk about this band is because of their kind of legacy and influence in uh, in kind of this revival wave that's been happening. I'm glad you mentioned mm-hmm. Jesus piece. Cause that's another band that is very tangentially related to yeah. what, what they're doing. And, and I'm, I, you brought up Coachella before I got a chance to bring up Coachella, but yes, yeah. they performed at Coachella, Coachella and had stage dives at Coachella with Frank ocean. Yeah. Like, what is happening? Um, yeah. But it's sick. two hours before you cried your eyes out to the saddest songs ever. You were stage diving. Well, or, fucking... or just like sitting there waiting for him to play. But, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, did Frank even play Coachella? Because he ended up canceling he, the second weekend. He did the first did he... one. He came okay. out and did like a really weird thing. I mean, he did perform some songs, but I think it was like overall people were very um, underwhelmed. Um, but yeah, no, this, this, uh, 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 this band. And I have to say, um, the guitar player, uh, uh, Isaac, who is the lead guitarist. I follow him on Twitter, uh, Isaac Hale, and he posts his, you know, songwriting and riffing stuff and posts some things. And, and it has only progressively gotten nastier and nastier and nastier. That dude rips guitar. Uh, yeah, I think he also plays in a couple other bands too. Uh, and, and he just is a monster with, with the guitar. Like he's, he's sick. Uh, so shout out him, shout out the whole band. Like, um, right now the lineup is Brian Garris, Isaac Hale, Kevin Otten, uh, Kevin, Kane and uh Nico Calderon but Brian Garris and and another thing I love about this band is his vocals like I mm-hmm. I sometimes those really high uh register vocals can get on my nerve yeah. but he is the timber in his voice and his kind of style just works for me Knock Loose is interesting because you can you can put it on in the background and listen to it and it's it's doesn't grate you like some of the other hardcore mm-hmm. metalcore bands. But then mm-hmm. when you focus in on it, you're like, yeah, this makes me want to commit felonies, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> like it's, it's super interesting. And then of course we get, so, you know, we've already talked briefly about, about it, but the, um, uh, you know, a tear in the fabric of life um, was just a sudden drop. They didn't, they didn't tell, there was no, no promo Motion. for it. No. It yeah. just dropped in, in October of 2021. Um, and it's a concept record that, as they say, documents the story of someone wading through extreme grief. It was also released with an animated short film, which accompanies the entire span of the EP, uh, which yeah. is really cool. Um, uh, yeah, there's like know. some like multimedia stuff in there. However, if you are uh, 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 epileptic, you probably should avoid it as there's lots of flashing lights. So, oh yes. yes. Um, 
The song God Knows was elected by Loudwire as the 30th best metal song of 2021. It I'm was sure it was probably within the top five, but hey, that's a metal <laughs> yeah. publication. Yeah. Um, they probably but, had like Black Sabbath. At the you know, top. a like, cursory on, of a cursory of looking through some of the the critical responses to this uh, distorted sound gave it a nine out of ten. Um, they said, you know, uh, uh, they they um, the, matching the record's ambious conceptual scope is the music itself. There's certainly a thick sense of dread and gloom that runs through a tear. Uh, and it's also surely the band's most dynamic record for date or record to date. Um, you know, lots of eerie, clean guitars, ominous atmosphere. Um mm-hmm. I mean, the album opens with a car skidding into a car crash, which I think is the best intro for what the... Because the rest of the album sounds like a fucking car crash in the best way possible. It is just devastating. Yes, and this uh, uh, Ellis Helsley, who wrote this review, said, um, you know, in fact, a tear might be their heaviest record yet with the band leaning more significantly into a death metal influence. Um, There are breakdowns of fight riffs around every turn. All of these produced to biting perfection by the band's longtime collaborator, Will Putney. Um, he's a lot of passion, pain, emotional weight to the vocals. Uh, you know, they gave it a nine out of 10. Um, I know that Kerrang gave it a uh, four out of five. They also had very nice things to say. Pitchfork gave it a 7.5. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, Across the board, Pop Matters, I think, gave it a 4.5 or an 8, sorry, an 8. And everybody just had nice things to say about, you know, the scope of the the conceptual scope of the album, the Mm -hmm. presentation of the album, the music, the, you know, kind of chaotic back and forth between ominous melody and and slight beauty but tinged with sadness and then these moments of like crazy heavy breakdowns and uh i like that term fight riffs that was used um yeah a lot of people really really like this record across the board four four point five nines eights um you know it's uh um like almost completely positive um Now, to just to close out this, uh, which it is, uh, you know, I don't want to blab on and on about Tear in the Fabric of Life because it's really good, but you should check out the short film unless you're epileptic. Uh, and you should definitely listen to it if you're a fan of metal music. I think a different shade of blue and a tear in the fabric of life are like really, really excellent metalcore metal albums. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they go together really well. They go really well together. In fact, the fact that one of them's red and one of them's blue. Uh, even in the artwork is really mm-hmm. cool. Like it's a very, yeah. very thoughtful, well done thing, a uh, two, yeah. two piece. And they're definitely yeah. worth checking out. But um, Brian wrote about the, uh, about the EP. It's a story about extreme griefs and the levels a person is willing to go through to get rid of it. The story follows a main character through a traumatic car crash late one night in the woods that leaves his partner deceased. And from there you spiral with him into the depression and guilt that comes with being the cause of something so detrimental. This is the first time we really drove in and tried to create something sonically that evokes a different range of emotions and 
overall something that introduces tension and anxiety with a massive payoff. The story is not only told through words, but through the music as well, which provided to be our biggest challenge in writing. Lyrically, this story ended up being much more personal than we initially intended. We started with the idea to tell a fictional story, uh, but throughout the process, I found ways to incorporate real feelings of loss and mourning, as well as anger and self-doubt. I've always been a very personal writer, and this was originally a step away from that into something more artistic. But in the end, it was just as therapeutic as writing a regular knock loose record. And I think you'll be able to hear that. Um, Hell yeah. And and um, and I should say the last two songs of the record are very, very good. Like oh. this whole thing tells a, an it's like an amazing um it, the the return to passion and permanent after contorted in the in the fa- fail. Yeah. I don't know exactly how you say that word. Um all of it, j- just all of it is mm-hmm. so good. And it, it tells a real story. It's really dope. Yeah, and the like the closing riff, like the end of permanent, permanent, like 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 it, the way it goes between like heavy and then it has like a very melodic sort of like kicking part, and then it comes, then it like does like a variation on the riff, and then it just like gets slower and slower until it eventually just fades out, like just such a solid end, like. Truly, like it's like twenty minutes of like the whole EP. Like, listen to it and listen to it front to back. Like, it is it's an experience. It is what they said. Like, I'm glad that you know this is something they set out to do is to create like a like a narrative thing and speak not only through lyrics but through music. Because yeah, no this this EP it goes through like peaks and valleys and like it will you'll be like oh shit like. It'll get like really melodic or like really eerie, but then it'll bring you back in with like some of the nastiest shit you've ever heard, like out of nowhere. It's just, uh, it is, I will just go out and just say it is just one of the best pieces of heavy music ever released. I don't know, might be perhaps maybe one of the best EPs ever put out. Like, I can't think of an EP that is this good like you know because a lot of eps sometimes you know they're like leftover songs or it's just something to sort of mark a transition but like this album this ep hits like an album it hits like as it's only even though it's only six songs like it feels so massive it's just i i I don't know i don't know i feel like i'm just reiterating the same thing over and over and (laughs) over again but But, i mean it's great it's it's both a different shade of blue and and tear in the fabric of life are Mm -hmm. excellent uh and you know for all the praise that that knocked loose has been getting uh they also had some some pushback um uh, there were some kind of uh the elder state statesmen of the hardcore reviewing world um mm-hmm. liken them too much with their turn uh with a perfect shade of blue they liken them too much to converge and other bands of that nature and they they were kind of you know hesitant about them but i think a tear in the fabric of life probably uh righted that to some degree because it showed a higher level of of intention and artistry mm-hmm. um but that's not to say a different shade of blue isn't great like i said it's a phenomenal album phenomenal yeah um 
And uh, and then recently, they actually released two new singles. Uh, mm-hmm. The two singles are called, uh, it's called Upon Lost uh, Singles. Uh, the, the two songs are Deep in the Willow and Everything is Quiet Now, which are very interesting to me. One, because they weren't, I don't think they were produced by Will Putney. Um, no. And I like them both. Yeah. I like Deep in the Willow more. I think that's mm-hmm. more of like a kind of expected level of of knock loose. What they do in Everything in Quiet now is kind of crazy because they start the song yeah. and then they like stop and go back and restart it or something. Mm-hmm. It, it's And there's a lot more kind of interesting guitar work being done. Um, mm-hmm. And I definitely like the two songs. What it makes me want is it makes me want to hear what the full record is. <laughs> yeah maybe it's not from a full record but they, these feel like they're part of something more maybe like they feel mm-hmm. very th- and maybe they were just like we're gonna make these two albums this two piece or these two songs and put out this two-piece single and they're gonna be kind of mm-hmm. thematically connected but I, I feel like they're part of a larger quilt of something you know what i mean maybe you yeah. didn't, didn't feel that but i definitely listened to it and i was like these feel like they're part of an album that yeah is about something uh, so maybe they're coming back with mm-hmm. another kind of themed album like a concept album i don't know yeah I, I i yeah no there's definitely like a concept there for sure like i mean they released the singles together as you know it's not just like released as deep in the willow and then everything is quiet now is the b-side it's like no they released this it's like there was like this is a two-song ep i guess or whatever and like the music video is for both songs as you know a single experience and the video is actually very cool uh oh nice i didn't actually look yeah yeah it has a lot of like cool sort of like imagery a lot of like nice set pieces and you know a lot of slow zooms and stuff it's yeah it's kind of like calls upon some like shining imagery and uh you know because there's like a there's a, a hedge maze and stuff and yada 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 but uh yeah um it they the songs are interesting because they kind of have uh two different things going on like deep in the willow is very much like a greatest hits of like what knocked loose is you're gonna get heavy as fuck breakdown and then at the end the Knock loose, motherfucker! Breakdown. Yeah, that's so like, crazy. That shit's so hard. <laughs> you just turned your own band name into a mosh call, bro. Yeah. That's hard as fuck. That's crazy. And the thing is, who, is that it doesn't. Of this? It doesn't like, even have to do with the song. Like no. the song is about like like someone dying, I guess, or like yeah, or like gr- grief as a for. Like it's like very. I've only listened to it these mm-hmm. songs like once or twice each so forgive me because it is yeah. new i just found out about it uh once we decided to record for this and so i've heard the other stuff before but then out of nowhere he's just like knock loose motherfucker it's just like, what what uh and also we should say that uh speaking of the fact that they played coachella they just played bonnaroo a couple days ago yeah yeah i was actually just watching the set while I was working on the art for the episode. And yeah, another fantastic, I mean, they didn't, they still had a barrier there, but like still seeing some big moshing going on at Bonnaroo, like that's pretty fucking sick. That's tight. Mm. Uh, 
Yeah. You, wait, uh, you said that they released these two, the Upon Lost singles, as, as like one video? Yeah, yeah. So they've done that before. They did that with... Um, yeah, they did that with Billy No Mates and Counting Worms because they play the... Which is weird because those songs don't go back-to-back on the album, but they always play those songs back-to-back in their set. So I think that's why they decided to do that. And Counting Worms is literally only 90 seconds long because the whole song is just literally the breakdown. <laughs> well, um you know these so you were right 2017 for i was just gonna say you know hollow earth or hollow earth i'm looking at the list of bands they played with um knock loose has played with a lot of different bands counterparts gideon expire acacia strain uh oceano culture killer um stick Mm -hmm. to your guns stray from the path um and there's like elements of all those bands in what yeah. Noctilus does. Like they're this band literally is like the amalgamation of like all of the sickest hardcore bands. Oh, and now now I see where some of it comes from because they played with Every Time I Die uh and Hollow Earth. Um they played with Comeback Kid, they played with 18 Visions, Old Wounds, yeah, yeah, and dude. Tourniquet. Um, they played with, uh, um, uh, Parkway Drive, Thy Art is Murder, Beartooth, Siler, Day to Remember, Harm's Way, Sanction, Higher Power. They did a, a, a tour, yeah, with a Day to Remember in Boston Manor. Um, they did, they, for their Different Shade of Blue, uh, album release tour, they toured with Stick to Your Guns, Rotting Out, Candy, and See You Space Cowboy. Um, oh, yeah. they've toured with Gatekeeper, Magnitude, Karma, Gojira, uh, Alien Weaponry. Like they've played with, they've, they, their tour kind of like the, the list of bands that they've toured with, they all mm-hmm. fall under the umbrella of like heavy music, but they're all so yeah. different, you know, mm-hmm. to say in 2017 that they toured with, they opened with, uh, open for 18 visions with old, old wounds and tourniquet. Uh, they played the whole warp tour with Trophy Eyes, Boston Manners, and Movements. Uh, they played with Comeback Kid, Every Time I Die, and Hollow Earth. You know, like all different types of kind of yeah. heavy music. And mm-hmm. I think that those experiences, especially from laugh tracks until the release of of um, a different shade of blue kind of open maybe open their world a bit you know mm-hmm. musically uh and and you know there's nothing like seeing other people rip it in their their chosen instrument and chosen band uh mm-hmm. m- night after night after night and you can't help but be uh, inspired by and influenced by them but the fact that their kind of net was so wide I think that that played a a huge role in them kind of figuring out their sound, Um, Mm -hmm. whether it was through kind of imitation of things that they liked or avoiding things that other people were doing well or more appreciation for the art of it or whatever. But the kind of jump between laugh tracks and a different shade of blue for me is like palpable. I can, you can tell that they, that, that they've become, you know, not necessarily better, but more experienced musicians. Mm-hmm. Um, and you said they were good live, right? Like you, you were like, this is, yeah, this all makes no, they're, sense now. Ac- 
Yeah, yeah, they're excellent live. Like their live show is tight. They're they're very good. Um, yeah, <laughs> go see them live before you know they're playing like fucking arenas and you know tickets cost like a hundred dollars or whatever, or they're like opening for like Bring the Horizon or some shit or who knows. Yeah, you can you can be you too could become an arf arf boy or girl. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I still honestly, man, like I I know that that's it's. <laughs> It's wrong of me, but the whole everybody arf arfing and posting videos of them and arf arf. And, and then I finally saw one where everyone's, you know, arf arf and then breakdown. And I was like, really? And I just kind of like turned away when I probably should have leaned in. But at the time, yeah. I was just not feeling it. It just felt kind of gimmicky or something. And that was my yeah, bad no. because I was like, yeah. you know, rub me the wrong way. But but now I see, you know, going back and and kind of seeing the the growth and plotting the growth of the band, even from you know um, pop culture. Is that what's called pop culture? Yeah, the EP. Yeah, yeah. Even from pop culture, which is way more kind of beat downy to mm-hmm. laugh tracks, there is growth. You see it, and yeah. if this band continues to grow and continues to do different things, and continues to, you know. Uh, and it doesn't mean they have to all sound the same, like the different shade of blue and a tear in the fabric of life do sound different, but they sound like them. And that's something we say time yeah. and time again on this podcast. We don't care if a band tries something different. We want bands to grow and change, but mm-hmm. for, but to hold on that to that identity, like there's a difference between um, a metalcore band, all of a sudden becoming a pop punk band and, mm-hmm. and then, and a, a metalcore band, you know, kind of, uh, uh, incorporating incorporating elements elements of pop punk and elements of melodic hardcore and you know and broadening their sound without kind of uh uh spitting in the face of the people who who Mm -hmm. appreciate what their sound is i guess um now artists can do whatever they want they have every right to you're not beholden to anybody you can change your genre you can do whatever nobody cares but it is beautiful to see that seed stay in the band and watch how mm-hmm. they grow out of it and change with it. And, um, you know, like we said on the Every Time I Die ep- episode, that's one of the things that's so amazing about that band is that even though a lot of their albums sound different, they all still sound the same. Yeah. And it's and, all yeah. distinctively them. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I don't know if we have anything else we want to talk about. I mean, we, obviously this band has been hugely influential yeah. they've been on the billboard 200 they performed at coachella they just performed at bonnaroo they are considered a pillar uh and they have many little knocked loose uh uh, uh babies that are, are baby bands that are forming yeah. now and and playing music like them and and uh and you know they they've they've in mm-hmm. in the course of a decade become one of the biggest bands in in metalcore and heavy music so yeah you know, rock and roll. What else can you say about that? That fucking um, rules. <laughs> yeah. And like, I mean, they're, I, I don't think I'm wrong in saying this, but I think, you know, I already mentioned how they've influenced newer bands, but I think their influence and what they've done has been so big. Like the Acacia Strain with their, the Acacia Strain's latest album, like Step Into the Light. Like, I think that has a lot of knocked loose influence. It has a lot of weird shit that uh, Acacia Strain has never done before. And, you know, that's a band that's 20 years into their career. And I think they just put out what is probably their best album 
at 22 years into the, the game. They put, because, you know, when a band is tight and all bands are putting out their best shit, it's just better for everybody. It just makes everybody better. That's it's just, yeah. it's a, uh, a rising tide lift all lifts all ships, you know, like if, mm-hmm. if yep. everybody's ripping, then everybody's ripping. If, if everybody is, yeah. uh, uh, you know, resting on their laurels, uh, you know, y- y- the, the, the elder warrior doesn't stand up to get into the ring with, with anybody mm-hmm. until they see somebody who might threaten them. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's a natural response. Not to say that, that knock loose was a threat to anybody, but when you see somebody come and, and just progressively getting better and getting bigger, you're yeah. like, damn, all right, time for me to kind of, step it up a little bit too. So, you know, you see, uh, it's, it's not like it's like a, a challenge or, or, a uh, uh, people are fighting against each other. Cause in fact, in hardcore, there's a lot of camaraderie. I mean, yeah, a lot of, there's some other, you know, as with all genres, yeah. the fans of the music and some of the people involved with it have done some negative things. Um, mm-hmm. but overall, you know, oftentimes many uh, other hardcore musicians and metalcore musicians, they just love playing music and they love playing heavy music and yeah. they want everybody to be ripping every night. You know, they want every show yeah. to be a, you want every show to be going gangbusters. Like you want every yeah. show to be nuts. So if everybody is playing at the top of their, uh, to, at the top of their, their, their game, game and, and there's a bit of a healthy, you know, friendly competition of, of you know let's let's rip let's rock like that's good you know yeah. so um yeah and i oh, mean oh like, go ahead that shit that shit's like just healthy like that's just healthy and that's uh just like good for like musicians as well like i saw a video it was a guitar player of Caven. And I think he was doing like a series of videos on like Instagram where he was showing cave-in riffs and being like, oh yeah, this cave-in riff was inspired by this converge riff or this every time I die riff. Like, so I forget what song it was, but he's like, yeah, without this every time I die riff, I would have never played this. But the riffs are like completely different, but it's like just shows like how like the metamorphosis and how people you know, engage with music, like hearing one riff and then you being like, oh, that's tight. I want to do something kind of like that. But then coming up with something totally different, but still being like, yeah, no, that was 100% a catalyst for this to happen. And sorry, I just hit my mic, but like, that's a catalyst for this to happen. And like, I'm thankful that happened. I'm thankful I was inspired by something else, which then caused me to do something totally different. Like that's healthy. That is good. Yeah, and any and I, and I musician that, should aspire to do that. And I think that's part of it too. I, it's not like it's because I, I don't want to use the co- word competition because it's never really yeah. a competition. But what it is is it's you know if you have a bunch of people that are playing really well, inspiring you to write better and play better, it mm-hmm. becomes this kind of like we all want to to rock, and we it's, all yeah, want yeah. you know. And it's it, it's not competition, but it's it's kind of a call to action. Mm-hmm. You know, it's this this sure. kind of. You go and see a band. Imagine if you're a band that's been playing for like 20 years and mm-hmm. you go and you catch a band that's been playing for seven and they yeah. do the craziest shit you've ever seen. 
mm-hmm. people who are real musicians are going to be like, all right, to the writing room, you know, <laughs> like we got to do, this was crazy. We got to, we got to do, we can do that. You know, we yeah. can, we can put our spin, our touch on it. We are inspired by that. And then they go and do it and it's completely healthy. It's completely normal. I mean, the idea that, uh, and it can't, and it crosses genres too. It doesn't have to be, you know, with real musicians, it doesn't have to be just the music that you're playing. If you go and see mm-hmm. a band who's playing indie rock and they just absolutely rip it and everyone's dancing, everyone's yeah. having a good time. And there's somebody up there doing some crazy stuff with their guitar. You might be like, huh? Yeah. I want to go play some music now, you know, like it's not mm-hmm. just, you know, cause we like all different types of music and we were in a band that was heavy together. So it's like, you know, of course we were influenced by, by heavy stuff, but also we were influenced by a bunch of stuff that wasn't even metalcore, or like hard, like there was mm-hmm. like hip hop influences in it and stuff like, and not, to, yes. not to be like a new metal rock rap thing, but just the, no kind of emotions, ideas, feelings, the writing, the thoughts, you know, like it's, uh, it's or even the fact that, you know, we got bossy to play drums. Bossy doesn't listen to metal or hardcore. He's a fucking jazz drummer. And we were like, yo, let's no play jazz drums, jazz with metal. That's so fucking tight. Like, and I think that set us apart too. And then me doing like weird guitar stuff that like I I ripped off Queens of the Stone Age using like certain effects and stuff. And then people would be like, what the fuck is that sound? Like, what the fuck? Like the when I first busted out that like phaser sound that people would fucking the alien mental. They were tone. Like, the alien yeah, the tone. alien tone. The key to seance choir was the alien tone. But when I busted that out, people were like, what the fuck? fuck is that that is sick because it's different although it's just like even though you know but i think we were very open about like what we wanted to do with our band we were like yeah no we want to be like the acacia strain and converge in some sort of weird convergence of those bands but then still added weird shit from our personal influences yeah i mean it's and that's part of the and and then our own artistry too you know then it's our own making things our own or trying to see things through our own lens or just completely creating something wholly of our, of our own, you know, like it's, it's, that's the process of creation and creativity and art. And and there's an ecosystem within art of inspiration and, 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 um, and influence uh, that, that just exists in all art in music and painting. And, you know, I'm sure there are some painters who go to art shows and go, God damn, I got to go pick up a brush, you know, like yeah. it's, it's not, it's not just in music and speaking of seance choir. I mean, I don't know. We don't know exactly what's going to happen, but it might not be the complete end of, oh. uh, of seance choir. I mean, we've, I, I've, I was, uh, looking at some, uh, some, I was listening to the demos recently and, you know, I just need to get some new gear and, you know, I can, once I get like once I can finally have like more than two days off in a row, I think I'm just gonna like crack down on a weekend and just track all the guitars and bass at some point. I have all the songs, like I have demos for all for the EP. I, mean, I have them, and, I have them, yeah. yeah, I have yeah. Them. So and so so you know, you, there may be some finally some seance choir music available for people who knew us from before, from the before times. Uh, and, uh, and also who knows, maybe, I mean, we've been talking amongst, amongst ourselves, the members, 
and uh, and you never know what might happen. That's all I'll say. Uh, you know, there's been some rumblings, but um, uh, uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't know what else to say about Knock Loose. This band yeah. is, it, you know, there's they don't have a ton of ton of releases. Um, two albums, a, a split, a, 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 a EP, and then a second EP. Uh, and then these singles, plus I guess there was a demo yeah. a long time ago. I, I haven't heard yeah. it. I couldn't find it. Yeah, I don't know. It's probably on YouTube or like Bandcamp or but something, but it's probably out there. They deserve some respect put on their names. They're sure. heavy as shit. Uh, and, you know, their lyrics are very, very packed with emotion. Um, I am a big fan of heavy music that explores kind of uh, the aggression and sadness, um, aggressive sadness uh and does it in a way that's artful and and not uh you know um not making kind of a mockery of of misery uh mm-hmm. so i really appreciate this band i think that they are uh especially the last two releases are you know top caliber um mo- still a tear in the fabric of life is like yeah as oda said a near perfect um ep and it just mm-hmm. it rips, but uh, different shade of blue is also freaking yeah. fantastic. Like it's it's great. Um, I don't know if you want to add anything else. I, I we I feel like we've covered quite a lot of it. Yeah, no, I I I feel like we've talked about all the different things I wanted to talk about about this band because yeah, uh, yeah, no, I've just been listening to a lot of heavy music recently, and you know that's in part thanks to you know. The Jesus Peace album, the new Drain album, the new Acacia Strain album, the singles by uh, Knocked Loose. And I think I just wanted to do this episode to just really kind of tell people that, you know, it's a good time to be in the hardcore, metalcore, deathcore, any type of aggressive music. It's it's a good time right now. Like for uh, yeah, bands are just consistently putting out good shit. Um, you know, uh, Better Lovers put out their single like a month or two ago. That song absolutely fucking rips. Yeah, that ripped. song goes insanely like, hard. Oh, let's Ins- just do Every Time I Die, but with the vocalist from Dillinger Escape Plan. Okay, have my money. Here's my fucking mortgage. Take it. Take everything I own. I don't fucking care. This rips, dude. Like, yeah, yeah I, I think... It's a sick renaissance of just aggressive music, and I'm just happy to see uh, just a bunch of sick bands, new and old, just putting out rippers. That's all I can say. That's all I can say, yeah. That's all one can say. Um, Well, I guess there's a couple clerical things to cover. Uh, Just so you guys know, this summer, um, we've got a lot of weddings. We've got a lot of things going on. We are going to do our best to maintain a regular posting schedule, but there will be some weekends where we are not posting. Um, so you're just going to have to check us out on social media to follow or, or like, and subscribe, mm-hmm. hit that little bell button, and then you'll get a notification whenever the, uh, episodes drop. We may yeah. have to drop some midweek. We may have some weeks where we miss stuff. We may have it at the regular time on Sunday. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, because we both have, uh, uh, well, Otis has conventions to attend. We both have weddings to attend. Uh, shout out Kieran. Um, and, uh, um, uh, and, and, you know, we, we might take a trip somewhere together and we got some things happening. So bear with us. If you rock with us, give us a, give us a, hit that subscribe button, give us a like, give us a follow and you'll get notified whenever we drop. 
Otherwise, you can check us out on social media. Uh, Instagram, I'm at P-A-L-M-R-E-A-D-R. That's Palm Reader without the last E. Where can they find mm -hmm. you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Otis Morris Dude. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, Cavernous, The Missing Transmissions, and Cavernous, the full-length album, both available on streaming. Check those out. Um, and uh, completely unrelated to everything, rest in peace to the motherfucking king, Cormac McCarthy, uh, probably my favorite American novelist of all time, Blood Meridian, The Road, No Country for Old Men, All the Pretty Horses, just some of the best novels ever written. Dude, fucking... Yeah, love, he was, he was love a Cormac he, McCarthy, yeah. dude. Rest in peace. That, that's a Rest real one. Power. Absolutely. Um, uh, and also, did you want to tell the people about the the Snowblinded? Oh yeah, shit, I, I forgot. Um, so Snowblinded and uh, Regicide are both going on tour across Canada. They're starting out east in Nova Scotia, and uh, I'll 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 get more details. I I didn't I literally just saw it before we started recording. Pretty much that uh, Snowblinded is getting a a limited VHS release on like a cool. I think it's a red VHS. I yeah, could be it wrong. looks it looks sick. It's it like looks a, tight as fuck. It, it's so it looks so cool. Um, yeah. So yeah, check uh, Otis. I'm sure we'll have more more mm -hmm. information next weekend. Um, Which that hookup that came about because the people making the VHSs they were at Shockstock and they were fucking stoked on the movie at Shockstock. So you know, even though I've had some mixed feelings about how Shockstock went, dude, we got a physical release out of it. So I think that's a that's a win in my yeah, books. It's a W. That's a fucking huge win, w. dude. Huge so, W. Yeah, I'm stoked on this release. If there is a, a link online to purchase them, I'm sure we'll put that in the description. But as of right now, I don't know because I literally just found out about this, like maybe 10 minutes before we started recording. So yeah, we'll, 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 we'll come back around to it next week. Um, and, uh, I do believe we'll have a regular, uh, episode next week. Um, it might be a little bit late, but I, I think we should have a regular episode next week. Uh, and also the following weekend, we have the release of, uh, uh, the monolith album from that gent guy, uh, Jason, he is, uh, uh, I was someone I, I met actually by chance and, uh, and eventually invited me to come and work on his album, doing some song arrangements, doing some, uh, mastering, uh, and I mastered the full album monolith is a, uh, eight track album all written recorded performed and produced uh mostly performed there's a couple um collaborative tracks but mostly performed by him uh and it's heavy as shit it's if you're into kind of like the prog gents um kind of groovy complex uh uh you know heavy stuff it's it rips it's really good and i'm not saying that just because i worked on it um he is very talented and uh, a very talented, humble, and 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 kind uh, uh, and respectful uh, gentleman. And um, yeah, I, I could not be more pleased to to be involved in it and have it come out on the thirtieth of of June. And we will definitely have him in in the summer to talk about the album and the process of making it. But if you are a fan of heavy music, even if you don't necessarily like, you know, gent all that much. Uh, yeah, I would prog still metal. Uh, like yeah. prog prog metal -y stuff. I would still check it out because 
Um, what he's doing on this because of his background is like an electronic producer moving into this kind of music. There's a lot of really, really cool synths and really, really pretty guitar work. And it's just really dope. It's really good, easy, fun, heavy listen, monolith fucking rules. So stream that on the 30th when it comes out. I'll mention it again next week, uh, and I'll put a link to his band camp in the bio. Uh, you can check that out. The first song that's available is called Unearthed. It features a uh, Waterloo bass artist, Ibi or Ibisan, uh, and, uh, and it's a, a ripper. It's heavy as shit. So, um, yeah. Check that out. And the Palm Reader, uh, my own music, the Palm Reader EP is coming. Um, I, I'm putting the finishing touches on the, the songs. And uh, I'm hoping next week or the week after I'll be able to let you know um, when it is coming. Uh, the two songs that are out now uh, from the North, which was formerly known as Pressure and uh, um, Dance with the Devil, which was formerly known as High Strangeness, are both available to stream on our SoundCloud, on the Cemetery Sound SoundCloud page. Uh, and please check them out. I think you'll like them both. If you missed me rapping, I am in peak form on those tracks. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's about it. I don't know if I have anything else. Um, you got anything uh, else? Uh, R.I.P. Tekazinski. Just kidding. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, Burn well, in hell, dickhead. I hope you have no hands down there, you piece of shit. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I guess if there's nothing else to say, then we'll have to do it one time. Arf, arf. This was our arf, episode. Arf, indeed. <laughs> yeah, this is our episode on Knock Loose. We'll see you next week for, uh, for something. Um, I don't know exactly what we do, but I guarantee we will do something. Um, Maybe we'll do a dog movie. We're going to come... See you next week with Turner and Hooch. Ha! Turner and Hooch. Marley and me. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Um, no, nobody wants to cry about uh, that movie. Nobody wants to see a golden retriever die. Sorry. No, spoiler alerts. Uh, um, okay. Anyway. Uh, yeah, we definitely will be back next week. And um, give us a like, a follow. Thanks for listening. And always remember to initiate the protocol. Peace out. Shh.